Hey, howdy, hey, Northridge family. Hope today finds you well. I want to wish, uh, start by wishing a happy Mother's Day to all the Mother's Days out there, especially to Kelly Ross, to Janice Ross, and to Diane McCullough. Um, we want to honor today the, the important role women play and have played in the kingdom of God and the advancement of the gospel around the world. Women have played an important role in, always in this. Women played an important role in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Right? It was a, a woman who gave the first New Testament prophecy concerning Jesus. It, it was for a woman Jesus performed his first miracle. It was a woman who anointed Jesus' feet with oil and caused Jesus to say that wherever the gospel was preached, that what she did for him would be told in memory of her. Women supported financially the ministry of Jesus. When the male disciples fled at Jesus' arrest, the women stayed with him, even while he was on the cross. A woman was the first to go to the tomb on resurrection morning. A woman was the first to see the risen Christ. A woman was the first to proclaim the good news that Jesus had risen from the dead. Women like Lottie Moon, uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention, Laura Bell Barnard and Free Will Baptist have been pioneer missionaries in places where men feared to go. Susanna Wesley had such a profound influence on her son John and Charles, she's called the mother of Methodism. John, John Wesley has once said, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than all the theologians in England. Women have always been some of the most faithful followers of Jesus. Women have always played an a vital role in the advancement of the gospel. The church is always poorer when it forgets the important role women play. The church is always weaker when it minimizes the importance of women in the life and the health of the church. Today we honor and we celebrate the women in our lives who have blessed us, who have strengthened us, have influenced us, have sacrificed for us, and have shaped us to be the people we are. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes, I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with a pure conscience without ceasing. I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in thee also. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you for your grace and your goodness. We thank you for the privilege we have of gathering in the way that we gather today. We thank you, Lord, that we do live in a time where the technology is available, that we can stream the gospel from our church to homes all throughout Guyman and around, really around the country, all over the place, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the grace that you have given us, the provision we have Thank you, Lord, for the, the women in our lives, our, our mothers, our wives who, who have helped us and have strengthened us, have been there for us in such often bad times in our lives. Thank you for their dedication to our families. Thank you for their dedication to you. Thank you for their love and their service to you throughout their lives. Thank you for the example they have set for us in their devotion to you. Bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance upon them today and give them peace. We ask in the mighty name of Christ our Savior. Well, today we're starting our, our series in forward. We're moving on, actually going to be in Joshua chapter 1 today. <clears throat> now, a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> I heard a story 
about the Lewis and Clark expedition I want to share with you. It's a fascinating story. As, as Lewis and Clark trekked up the Lemhi Pass, it says Lewis believed that he would walk up the hill, look down a gentle slope that would take his men half a day to cross with their canoes on their backs, and then they would see the Columbia River. After 15 months of going upstream, they looked forward to letting the current swiftly whisk them to the Pacific Ocean. They would crest the hill, find the stream, and coast to the finish line. They could not have been more disappointed. What Lewis actually discovered was that 300 years of experts had all been completely and utterly wrong. In front of him was not a gentle slope down to a navigable river running the Pacific Ocean, but the Rocky Mountains stretching out for miles and miles as far as the eye could see was one set of peaks after another. The speaker, he went on to say, at that moment, everything changed because the world before them was nothing like the world behind them. I can't help but think we're in a similar place to that today. The world is changing so rapidly that we, we have to face the reality that the world before us is nothing like the world behind us. Now, I'm not even really necessarily talking about the pandemic and the things that's bringing and changing in our culture. Though I do believe the world is going to be different because of this. I'm just talking about the reality that nothing stays the same forever and things always change. Right. So think about this on a personal level. Nobody really stays the same. We age, we grow, we get new jobs, we have new desires, uh, and, and we have to learn to adapt to the world before us. Uh, and this brings change into our life because the world before us is different than the world behind us. Think about it in our families. Within our families, we're in a time of year now where if the world was normal, Kids would be graduating from high school. They would be getting ready to, to promote from one grade to another uh, as they going off to college. And this brings change. This brings a, a new dynamic to the family as the kids get older and they begin to have different desires and different attitudes and different actions. So the world before us is different than the world behind us. Think about it on a, on a church level. In America, at least, Christianity has, has long been the dominant religion, the popular religion. One that, that people either expected you to be a part of, or at the very least they respected you for being a Christian. But this is really not the world we live in any longer. And the church, we have to adapt to this. Because the world before us, the world that we're moving into, is nothing like the world behind us. With the world before us being different than the world behind us, we have a choice to make. Right? We, we can kind of stay where we are, but, you know, really not so much. It's for a limited time we can kind of stay here and pretend that nothing is changing. We can try to go back, though we can't really go back either. But we can try to and, and cling to the past. Or we can move forward. What we're going to see throughout the book of Joshua, especially today, is God calls us forward. <clears throat> Open your Bible 
to Joshua 1. We're going to look at the first five verses. Joshua 1, verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to thee, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even into the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and into the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Title of the message is Choosing to Move Forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome. You are far more worthy of our praise than our minds can comprehend. You are far more worthy of praise than, than our vocabularies can express. And Lord, we come today and we are in awe of your greatness. We are in awe of your goodness. And the grace that you have bestowed upon us because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Father, we thank you today for the privilege of getting to, to gather. Lord, not together in the building like we would like, but still gather, still together and spend time in your word. Father, we are free to do this. There is no, no hindrance. There is no fear. Lord, we are just at liberty to leisurely sit around, study your word, listen to what you have for us, respond to your spirit, and just do your will. How wonderful you have been to us in our lives. Father, as we look at the reality, the world before us is different than the world behind us. The temptation is to let fear control us. And to let fear keep us from trying to move forward in the ways you would have us to. But Lord, we know. We know you're not calling on us to go back. Lord, we know You're not calling on us to stay still. Like You called Joshua, You're calling us forward. And Lord, we long to answer that call and to go forward with You. To follow where You would lead, to do what You would say. So take the time we have today and use it to change us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to build our faith. And Lord, launch us forward in the directions you'd have us to go. Fill me with your spirit and give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Help me to say what you once said, nothing more and nothing less. Use your word to strengthen the weak, encourage the discouraged, convict those who are satisfied in their sin, to restore the prodigal, to save the lost, to set captives free, and just generally do what only you can do in our lives today. We ask this in the mighty name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Now, let me give you a little bit of background on the book of Joshua before we go on. Last week, we saw Numbers 13 and 14. God called the people forward, and they chose not to go. Right? They were afraid. They refused to go forward. They came up with all of these reasons why they could not go forward, and their unwillingness to go forward caused them to miss out on all God had planned to do in them, through them, and for them. And so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Where we are now, the 40 years has ended. 
The generation that refused to go forward aside from Moses and Joshua and Caleb, they're all dead. They have passed from the scene. The people are regathered at an entry point, And God is once again saying, come, follow me, go forward into the land that I will give you. And this first chapter is really all about preparation. God is preparing Joshua. God is preparing the people. And in this preparation, what God is doing is He is calling them forward. And they have a choice to make. Will they act like their fathers and refuse to follow God forward and miss out on His power and promises and plans for their life? Or would they answer God and follow Him forward? God was calling them forward, but they had to choose. What God was doing with Joshua then, He's doing with us now. God is always calling us forward, but we must choose to follow. God is always calling us forward. But we must choose to follow. What I want to do is from these first five verses, I'm going to give you three reasons we move forward. And then I'm going to give you three actions to take in order to move forward. I know you're thinking that sounds like six points, but it's not. It's really just three. Right? So three reasons and three ways to move forward. First, we move forward because the past is gone. Right, the, the chat, the book starts with Moses, my servant is dead. Right? The, the Moses had died. And he's not coming back. His body had been taken. And in a lot of ways, I think we could see Moses as like representing the glory days for Israel at this point. Right? It was Moses who met with God at the burning bush. It was Moses who spoke to God. Face to face as a man speaks to his friend. It was Moses who went before Pharaoh and said, Thus says the Lord, let my people go. It was Moses who spoke about the plagues and disasters God would bring upon Egypt if Pharaoh did not let them go. Plagues which all came to pass often according to Moses' words. It was Moses who led them out of Egypt. And into freedom. It was Moses who at the, at the Red Sea held out his staff while God sent a strong wind to, to part the Red Sea. And Moses who at that point said, be still and behold the salvation of your God. It was Moses the great leader. The one who had shaped everything about who they were basically for these last 40 years. Moses was dead, and he was not coming back. For their part, the past was dead, and there was no going back to the way things were. The world before them was vastly different than the world behind them. We face something similar in our day. The past is gone, and it's not coming back. The past for our lives. Right, it's it's not uncommon for people to look on look back on certain periods of their lives with longing. Right? Maybe times when we were younger and stronger. 
Maybe times in our youth where we were maybe in the military or in college and think, man, those were such good times. I want to go back to that. Maybe we look back with longing at a particular job we had. Wow, that job paid so well. It was so easy. It was so much fun. Maybe we look back with longing at a place we lived. Man, that was just such a beautiful piece of property. I loved the community we were a part of. Maybe we just look back at a, a point in time in which there was just a general sense of, of happiness. Life was easy and we maybe had more prosperity than we do now. It's easy for us to look back with our families. right? We look back on a certain period of our family life with, with longing. When our kids were little. I mean, I don't know about you, but Kate or Sarah graduates out of high school this year. Caitlin graduated last year. And I often look back with, with longing when they were three and four and little girls and think, man, I miss those times. Maybe we look back with longing at a time when our spouse was, was healthy or our spouse was, was living with us. Maybe we look back with longing for our family at a time when we had maybe a, a bigger house or a cooler house or, or better stuff for our family. Maybe we look back in our culture longing for the way things used to be. A, a time when everyone in our culture, or at least the majority of our culture, looked like we look, acted like we act, and believed like we believe. Maybe we look back with longing at a time in our culture when Christianity was not only the norm, but essentially expected out of everybody. I heard a story two weeks ago about a pastor. He was older and retiring a few years ago, and he was talking to a younger pastor. And he said when he first started the ministry in Alabama, he never had to worry about church attendance or church growth. He said if a man missed church on Sunday morning, his boss asked him about it on Monday morning. Right? We, we could look back on a time when Christianity was just that accepted. <clears throat> Maybe we look back with longing at the past with our church. Right? Certain period of our time when maybe we had the school. Boy, wouldn't it be, I, I miss having that. I wish we could go back to that. We look back with certain activities or programs we may have had. Said, boy, I wish we had those things that could do all of that stuff again. The reality, and maybe it's a harsh reality. Those times are gone and they are not coming back. We aren't going to be able to go back to our youth and get to experience those days again. We aren't going to be able to go back to our youth and, and do them differently and do them better maybe. Our empty nest isn't going to be refilled. We don't get a do-over on how we raised our kids and get to experience them and enjoy them more when they were younger and not be so busy with things that ultimately don't matter. The mono-ethnic culture of the 50s and 60s, it's gone. And it ain't ever coming back. We live in a multicultural world and it's only going to get more multicultural as time goes on. America right now is essentially a post-Christian world. And we're not going back to the way it was anytime soon. The past is gone. And it's not coming back. But God is calling us forward. And if we're going to follow God forward, we have to 
refuse to live in the past. The past is gone. Therefore, we must refuse to live in the past. Since the past is gone, since it's not coming back, we can try to stay where we are and hold on to things for the here and now. We can long for the days that are gone and wish they would come back. Or, we can answer God's call and we can move forward with Him. God is always calling us forward. And as disciples of Jesus, we are meant to answer that call. And go forward. The Apostle Paul said. Brethren I I count myself. I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto the things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize. Of the high calling of God. In Christ Jesus. God called the Apostle Paul forward. And he chose to go forward. He, he forgot those things which were behind. But he, he let go of, of his past failures. The Apostle Paul knew what it was to fail. He knew what it was to reject Jesus and even persecute the church. But he didn't hold on to that. He didn't live in light of that. He let that go and pressed forward. But the Apostle Paul also had great victories. Many great things God had done in him and through him and for him. And yet, he didn't hold on to those either. He didn't linger with that. He he pressed forward. And that's what we're supposed to do. And in order to press forward, to go forward, we have to let go of the past. We can't live in the past. Listen, I, I would imagine most everybody watching this could probably outrun me in a foot race. I'm not fast. I wasn't fast when I was young and in the army and had to run all the time. I'm certainly not fast now that I'm older and have some gimpy knees. But here's what I'm going to tell you. I would almost guarantee you that I could outrun anybody watching me today if I got to set the the route we ran and the rules that we ran by. And here's what I would do. We would start out here at Oklahoma in the church parking lot. And then we would run all the way down to Sunset Lane, down the hill, and all the way down to the road. And while we ran, I looked forward, but the person I raced against, they had to look behind them. Now, again, I feel almost, I could almost guarantee I could outrun everybody here doing that. And here's why. There's a lot of obstacles between... Between Oklahoma and Sunset Lane, if you go straight down the hill. There's holes, there's rocks, there's loose gravel, there's tree stumps, there's a building. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff that want to reach out and grab hold of you and twist your knee and twist your ankle and cause you to be injured. The reality is you can't run forward by looking behind you, not safely. You miss things, you mess up, you hurt yourself. It's not that different. And trying to move forward with God. If God is calling us forward. We can't go forward with God. While looking behind us all the time. We can't look with longing at the way things were. And try to go forward. We have to refuse to live in the past. We have to let the past go. The past is gone. It's not coming back. So we must choose. 
to move forward. Choose to not let our past hold us back. We cannot spend all of our time focusing on where we've been. God is calling us forward, but we must choose to follow by refusing to live in the past. Secondly, God actually calls us forward. We see this in the passage. Look at verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, even the great sea, towards the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. God speaks to Joshua. And in a little bit, we're going to look at Joshua calling, or God calling on Joshua to be strong and courageous. But before that, He's telling him, I'm calling you forward. Right? Moses is dead. Refuse to live in the past, Joshua. You're the leader now. Arise and go. It is time to move forward. Right? We're, we're not going to stand here in this camp any longer, Joshua. It's time to go. We must move forward. You and all the people. Joshua, it's not just you. Everyone needs to move forward. Unto the land which I do give. All that God had promised to do, all that God wanted to do, all of God's work and promises, they were there. Right? If they stayed where they were, they would miss out on God's purposes, power, and plans just as their fathers did. If they went back to Egypt, they would miss out on all of God's purposes, plans, and power just as their fathers did. The only way to experience what God had for them was to go forward. Now, God had given them great promises. Right? Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you. I have given it to you. It was theirs. The land was theirs. It was already theirs. All they had to do was go. All they had to do was pick up and move, and they would win every battle because no one would be able to stand before Joshua because God was with him. The place where they stepped, it was land God had already given them. It was theirs. The only thing they had to do was get up, follow God, and move forward. The only thing that would prevent them from inheriting the land, from receiving God's promises, from seeing all of this come to pass, would be their refusal to go forward. If they stayed, they missed. If they tried to go back to Egypt, they missed. But if they arose... And if they went forward, they would experience all the power, all of the promises, and all the plans God had for their life. God was calling on them, trust me, believe me, move forward with me. God is calling us forward just as surely as He was calling them forward. And if we're going to follow God, we must move forward in faith. That's what it was going to take for Joshua and the people, they would have to believe God's promises. Remember, that was a big part of what happened with the generation before. They didn't believe God either could or would give them the land that He had promised. But Joshua and them, if they believed, 
They would only show that belief in one way. They wouldn't show it by staying. They wouldn't show it by going back. They showed their faith by moving forward. So God is calling us forward. And we have to answer by moving forward in faith. One of the great examples of this is Abraham. I love the story of Abraham. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 8, by faith, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. Now, there's a lot about answering God's call forward in faith here. We only have a short amount of time to talk about a few things. But notice, Abraham was called of God to go forward. Right? And in order to answer God's call, Abraham had to, to make some pretty... I would say uncomfortable changes, right? He would have to, to leave everything he's ever known. He would have to leave everyone he's ever known. Not only that, as Abraham got up and, and left to follow God, he would have to walk by what I would say is a pretty intense faith because notice the last part. He went out not knowing whither he went. Right? God didn't give Abraham a five-year plan about what was going to happen. What God said to Abraham was, leave this land and I'll take you to the place you need to go. Just, just get out and go. Right? And he had to, to go not knowing the end. Now, for us, it'd be like if God said, get in your car and go west. Well, where are we going, God? West. Well, how long will we go west? I'll tell you to go north. Right? I mean, that's kind of the picture of of what Abraham was given. God basically said walk this way. And Abraham walked there until God said walk another way. And Abraham walked by faith. Not knowing the end. Not knowing everything. But knowing God was ordaining. God was leading him in this direction right now. Now as Abraham went he had to, to give up comfort. Right? Because the land where he lived was a, a city. It was a developed city, but God called him and he lived in, in tabernacle. He lived in tents, Hebrews 11.9 would say. He traded a home for going camping for years. So he traded comfort for discomfort. He, he went from a, a land where he was home to a land where he was a stranger. He went from a land that he was familiar with to a land which he was unfamiliar with. He knew what his life in Haran was like, but he had no idea what it would be like in the land where God was leading him. Abraham was called to move from sight to faith. And this is what it all boils down to. He was called to leave what he could see and what made sense in his mind to promises he couldn't see, a place he had never seen, and what probably didn't make sense in his mind. There was no clear plan that he was give, that he was privy to. There was no end in sight as far as he knew. There was no 401k retirement plan. There was just go. It's a great picture of what it looks like for us. If we're going to move forward with God. If we are going to answer God's call and move forward. It absolutely requires us. To live by faith and not by sight. It requires us to trade what we know, which is the world behind us, for what we don't know in the world before us. 
It's calling on us to trade what is certain, right? We know how to do this for what is uncertain. It's calling on us to live in a transitional way, right? Because we, as we try to move forward, we're going to, where we're, the next steps we make, they're not the final steps we'll take. I wish you could see the sanctuary right now, right? We have moved forward in doing the live stream. Right, But right now we have extension cords hanging over the pews. There's a, a desk in the middle of the aisle and a computer sitting there uh, and, a, and a camera. Right, This is a very transitional stage. This isn't our final step in how we're going to do this. This is just the next step. This is a step up from where we were having a camera or having a, an iPhone on a tripod. Now we've moved to a camera with a laptop and we're not finished. It's still a transitional phase. Well, this is just a, a small picture of everything it'll be like for us to move forward. There will be, we're here, but this isn't the final, so we're moving here, but this isn't final either. It's just a, a constant living in, in tents, living in tabernacles from here to there until we get to where God is ultimately seeking to take us. In a lot of ways, I think you could say that moving or living by faith requires us to risk, requires us to experience risk and uncertainty. I say risk because anytime we live by faith, what we're doing is outside of our control. We're relying on God to do what only God can do. It's beyond us. We can't take it. We can't help it. It's beyond our, our, our present capabilities. Right? If I can do everything I'm doing, I'm not necessarily living by faith because I can do it. Living by faith requires me to go beyond what I think I can do and trust God to do what only He can do. That's, that's risk from our perspective. Because if God doesn't come through, everything kind of falls apart. There's uncertainty associated with living by faith. For most people, there's always a level of uncertainty in doing unfamiliar things, doing new things. Right? Uh, I mentioned the live stream. Right? You, you should have been here the first Sunday we, we tried to set it up. We were terrified of how it was going to be. What was it going to look like? Were we going to forget something? I mean, what would we, would it, or, or the horror of horrors that Scott would have to sit here and listen to me holler for 30 minutes or 40 minutes. And then at the over, he had not pushed the start. And so it was just, it had been for naught. Even now, we've changed over from the phone, which we, we knew how to do, to something new. And right now, even as I'm preaching, my deep fear is, I forgot to turn the microphone on. It's really not recording properly. It's not transmitting. I've had two or three texts while I've been preaching. My, my, my wristwatch has told me about it. I'm thinking, they're texting me going, we can't hear you. We don't know what's going on. Where's the live stream? Right? There's, there's uncertainty in anything new. There always is. All the things we don't know about moving forward in our lives, in our families, in our church can leave us feeling uncertain. The only way to remove risk and uncertainty is to remove the need for faith. And there is no way to move forward without faith. We have to live by faith in order to move forward. God does not require us, or God does not call us to live a faith, to live a life that doesn't require faith. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. God is at this moment 
calling us as individuals, as families, and as a church to move forward. And in order to answer His call, to choose to move forward with God, we must move forward in faith. With all the risks associated with it, with all the uncertainty associated with it, with all the temporary tabernacling that would be associated with it. To move forward, we have to do that. And then finally, God is with us. So we move forward because the past is gone. So we don't live in the past. We move forward because God calls us forward. So we move forward with faith. But then finally, God is with us. God tells Moses or Joshua there at the last in verse 5, As I was with Moses, I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now, we'll talk more about God being with him next week. I just want to hit a few things about it today because God mentions it twice in his initial charge to Joshua. And each one's a little bit different. But this is connected to no one being able to stand against them. Right? I'm sure God remembers, and they all remember, the reason the people gave for not going forward. There's giants in the land and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. The walls are thick. We can't possibly. The land swallows the people who go there. To which God says you will be able to win every battle. Nobody will be able to stand against you because I am with you. See the great overarching story in Joshua is not how great a leader Joshua is. The great overarching story in Joshua is not how great the warriors of Israel are. The great overarching story in Joshua is God is great. And God is with them. And God has the power to give them victory. God's presence and God's power gives them victory in every battle they face. They can move forward. Because God is with them. So God is calling us forward. And He's saying, I will go with you. In your life, wherever I call you to go forward, whatever that looks like, I am with you. In your family, as I'm calling you to go forward, whatever that looks like, I am with you. And as a church, as I call you forward, Whatever that looks like, I am with you. God is calling us forward. He's promising His presence. And if we're going to choose to follow God, we must move forward courageously. We must move forward courageously. Courage to move forward in our lives, in our homes, in our church. It doesn't come because we're great We're awesome. We're strong. We have all the answers. We can handle it. We can do it. It's not in us at all. The courage to move forward comes because we know our God is with us. That is the greatest comfort of all. Our God is always with us. David writes in the 23rd Psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, there's a lot here that I don't have time to talk about this morning, but 
I want you to think about the idea of fear. Right? Because the idea of moving forward is a fearful thing. And when David talks the valley of the shadow of death, he's not so much really talking about the time of death as he is talking about times in our life when maybe there's more sorrow than joy. That there's more darkness than light, more enemies than friends, more despair than hope, more fear than courage. Right? These dark, dreary, scary moments and confusing moments are what David is referring to in this verse. And as David says, as he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, he is not afraid. And if we're not careful, we could stop reading there. Because we would say, well, David was a great warrior. David had mighty men surrounding him. Of course, David did not fear as he went into these times. But that's not what he says. He doesn't say, I will not fear because I'm a mighty warrior. I will not fear for thou art with me. David could courageously follow God. Through the valley of the shadow of death. And really if you look at the psalm that's a part of it. God is calling David forward at times. And he walks with him. And he leads him to still waters. And he leads him to green grass. And then he leads him through the valley. So this is not just David is off on his own and bad things are happening. But he's following God and it's scary. There's troubles. There's trials. There's issues. There's fear. There's risk. There's uncertainty. But through it all, David did not have to be afraid because his God was with him. He knew that whatever he faced in the dark valley was nothing in comparison to the mighty God he served. He would go boldly. He would go courageously. He would go faith-filledly. Because he knew his God was with him. I kind of think about it like I think about life when I was a kid. As a kid, I was, I was terrified of going into the woods. I'd seen enough horror movies. I knew what was in the woods. Right? There were wolves and lions and tigers and bears and monsters and serial killers wearing hockey masks and the, the hills have eyes people were out there. And I knew all of those things were there just waiting on me to get into the wood line so they could take me and eat me and kill me and hurt me in many ways. So on my own, I, I just about would not go into the woods by myself. The only way I would go into the woods unafraid is if I went with my dad. Because I knew, I knew there were no animals, there were no serial killers stronger than my dad. I knew that if the hills have eyes people came after me, Jimmy Ross would shut them down quick, fast, and in a hurry. I was not afraid when I was with my dad. And that's what we're to see with this passage. We can go into these dark times. We can go into the land of uncertainty and risk. Because our God is with us. To be sure, the world around us can be a scary place at times. And to be sure, the idea of moving forward can be a terrifying thought. The change, the risk, the uncertainty... Very few people enjoy those things on the natural. But we can still do it. And we can do it courageously and confidently because our God is with us. Our God is always calling us forward. He's always calling us to follow Him. But we must choose 
courageously move forward. Because we know our God is with us. One of the fellows in the Lewis and Clark expedition came to the top of the Limhi Pass. He saw the Rocky Mountains and he wrote in his journal, they were the most terrible mountains he had ever beheld. And in that moment he had a choice to make. He could stay where he was. He could go back east where it was easy. Or he could move forward with Lewis and Clark. Finish the expedition. He chose to move forward. As we look at the concept of moving forward. Whether it's in our lives. As a family. As a church. It may seem to us that what is before us. Are the most horrible mountains we've ever beheld. And in this moment, right now, we have a choice to make. We can stay where we are, at least for now. We really can't stay where we are for long. But we can slow down and drag our feet and and not follow God immediately. We can try to go back and try to recreate the glory days, the days that we long for, but, but we really can't because they're not ever coming back. Or, or we can move forward with God. God is calling us as individuals to move forward with Him. God is, ca- God is calling us as families to move forward with Him. God is calling us as a church to move forward with Him. And in the end, we all have to make our own choice. My choice. I'm moving forward. I'm not going to live in the past and long for the glory days. I'm not going to sit in one place and stagnate and get stale. The thought of moving forward terrifies me. I don't like change. But I'm moving forward because God is calling God is with us. God has given us tremendous promises. I'm moving forward. My prayer is you will move forward in your life, with your family, and that as a church we will all choose to move forward with God. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. We We bow and surrender to you. God, we will go. I will go where you lead. I will follow you forward, whatever that means and whatever that takes. God, help us to hear you clearly, to know what we're supposed to do. Give us the courage to answer you, to choose to follow you. Lord, we don't want to be like the people who came before Joshua's generation that took the land. Lord, we... We don't want to make excuses. We don't want to be held back by fear and unbelief. We don't want to miss out on your power and your purposes and your plans for our life. We want to see those things come to pass. 
So we choose to follow you and we choose to move forward. Strengthen us in the days to come. Encourage us when we get discouraged. Help us to know we're doing what you would have us to do. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are still not meeting, obviously. The cases continue to spike. As of yesterday, there's like 347 cases in Texas County. So due to the continued spike in cases, we, we still don't have a date when we're going to regather together as a church in our building. Um, keep praying about that. Pray, of course, for the, the cases, for the sick. Uh, pray for us to have wisdom to know what to do and, and when to do it. We, we don't want to not meet. Obviously, we want to all be together, but at the same time, we don't want to rush it. So pray we would have wisdom. Continue to be faithful in your giving. You have been so faithful in your giving. Uh, continue to give. You can send in a check. Mail it to the church. Northridge Free Will Baptist Church. Post Office Box 1707. Diamond, Oklahoma. 73942. If you mail that, Lavina gets it. And it will get in. You can drop it off when I'm at the church. Now let me say about that. Now that the weather's getting warmer, I don't come into the church as much. Because when the weather's warmer, you turn on the air. It just seems silly to me to have the air conditioning on for just me. Um, and so I do a lot of work at the house now. But if you want to bring on a check in a sealed envelope, you can call me, text me, send me a Facebook message. I will meet you at the church or, or meet you somewhere and, and get that and give it to Lavina. Or you can give online. That's the full address. Uh, you give online there. It goes straight to the church. All right, the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Love you guys.